Hi, welcome to the Trauma Thrivers podcast. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Lula Bentz, your host, a psychotherapist, a trauma expert, and a survivor myself. Lovely to have you with us. The Trauma Thrivers podcast is for anybody who has been through any sort of developmental trauma or who has complex PTSD. This podcast aims to help educate, inspire and support those of us that are on a trauma healing journey. We've got stories, steps and various solutions to trauma to help you heal. If you'd like more information or tips or tools or strategies, please go to traumathrivers.com. You can also find this podcast on my YouTube channel, Lula Bent's Trauma Thrivers. If you'd like to join our community of thrivers, please find us on Facebook under Trauma Thrivers. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for joining us from Washington. Lovely to see you. How are you you there? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, it's great to see you. And it's wonderful to discuss Havening because I know that we spoke about already, you know, my book, 56 Methods to Healing Trauma and Havening is in there. So it's just exciting to hear more about it from an expert and, you know, for those listening to learn more about all the different ways there are out there to treat trauma, really. Um, But before we do that, I always like to start a little bit the podcast with how did you get into this field in the first place? So the way I got into in, in the field of psychotherapy to begin with was I actually started as an, a lawyer for um, abused and neglected children in Washington, D.C. Kids are involved in the child protective services system. Um, I was a guardian item for those, those kids. And I, after I did it for a little while, I became a social worker because I wanted to work with them more clinically. And um, I started doing different jobs. I worked as a school social worker for a long time and then built up a private practice. And actually my private practice is focused on treating adults who experienced child abuse when they were young um, and also who've experienced trauma in their adulthood. So my practice is very firmly uh, rooted with PTSD, but also anxiety and depression and transitions. And I learned EMDR at the very beginning of my private practice. And I also had been trained in mindfulness-based stress reduction. And I learned a lot of techniques for working with trauma over the years um, that you have mentioned already, like uh, somatic experiencing, sensory motor psychotherapy and others. And um, I learned about havening about two and a half years ago at a psychology webinar. And I really loved it immediately. I really thought it found it so um, soothing and easy. And part of the reason I really loved it was not only because I could see how it would help me with my clients, but because it was helping me personally with my own trauma. I have a trauma background. I have a mild form of complex PTSD from my childhood. I experienced verbal abuse and emotional neglect and has worked my whole life to try to overcome that. And then also about um, six years ago, I had a, a traumatic experience in which I had taken some medication for depression that I was, I was ramping down one and ramping up another one that was a stimulant. And I ended up having an experience of an explosion in my chest that was absolutely wow. terrifying. And my, my chest felt like it was, gonna, it was exploding. And at the same time, I dissociated because I couldn't handle it. And then after that, every time I thought about it, it would happen. So all day, every day for about three or four years, I had that happening constantly. And it would happen, especially when something was exciting. 
So things that I used to find exciting would, would cause this attack that was so scary. And I was trying to continue as a, I'm a single mom and I was having a job as a school social worker and a therapist and I was just beside myself. I could not figure out a way out. And I tried EMDR and it didn't have any effect. And of course, talk therapy didn't work. Even medications weren't helping with it. And when I found out about Havening, I went to the training and right away I was lucky to have Dr. Rudin in my group. And he had explained to me that all of those symptoms were a consequence of that trauma and that if I worked on the trauma, those would resolve. And sure enough, that's what hap it's happened. So over the past uh, two and a half years, I've been getting a lot of havening and doing a lot of havening on myself. And I've been able to get over that trauma. And also, it's actually hit a lot of my childhood trauma, too. So I had a lot of performance anxiety growing up because I was criticized so much. And now I'm able to speak in front of groups without any trouble. So I've gotten so much personal healing from havening. And that's why I'm the most passionate about it. So I, I try to spread awareness of it as wide as I can and to try to be as clear about it as I can so people really get it and can benefit from it. And, and understanding what you understand now, yeah. how did it hit the parts that other techniques didn't touch? I mean, I'm interested in how it worked for you and, and how it works in general, because it's, is it, is it a psychosensory modality, would you say? Yes. Yeah. So, so the way evening works is that it changes the way that the brain encodes um, experiences so that they're not distressing and so that you actually can feel more resilient and more of a sense of well-being. And it changes that encoding by, by psychosensory input. So um, it uses actually mostly healing, soothing touch and also eye movement um, to, uh, to create delta waves, which changes the way that the brain stores trauma. Right. And that's why it's so effective. And I think it worked better than these other methods for one that it, it really very quickly caused a sense of safety and soothing that other methods don't cause. Like EMDR is great for creating objectivity and processing of events, but not so much a sense of safety. I mean, you can bring in interweaves with it, but the, the modality itself doesn't cause safety, whereas havening actually makes you feel safe. And that's really the main thing that's absent in a traumatic experience is you feel threatened. So. It, it creates more of a sense of safety than any other modality I've, I've encountered so far. I think that's why it works better. And how do you do it, Erica? Okay. So um, the developer studied what places of touch actually cause the most delta waves because delta waves cause soothing, feeling, serotonin, oxytocin, and GABA. So the top places of, of delta wave production are these locations. I'm going to show you. So the first ones are the palms of your hands. So if you just rub your palms together in a way that feels relaxing to you. And you can hold them like this or like this if you want. Or you could mm -hmm. even just rub them like that. Whatever okay, you can do that. You. you can do like that. Yeah, just as long as you're using your palms in a way that feels comfortable, soothing. It could be whatever pace feels good for you. Generally, if you can slow it down, that helps, but not necessarily. Just wherever you're at. So that's the first place. And then the next one is from your shoulders to your elbows. So it's a sweeping feeling like a downward brush. And you want to keep it downward rather than up because up makes it activating. So you want the soothing touch downward like that. And again, like a reassuring hug, like, ah, you know, this is, we got this. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Love and, that. Yeah. So good pace like that. And then the last location is actually your face. And it could be your face, like your whole face, like you're washing your face, or it could be, if you don't want to mess up your makeup or something, it could be just your cheeks or your forehead or even like that, just any place on your face that feels soothing to you. And you can work around, you could take off your glasses or you could do it under your glasses. 
just in a way that's like ah reassuring yeah. and we we just rotate between these three t locations because um different ones are better for different people and i recommend people try all three even if they have a preference for one or two okay and then the last part of it actually is the eye movement so you like with emdr you actually uh, find a place on the right or the left and you move your eyes back and forth a few times gazing from right to left when you're in a room with a client you know you could actually move your fingers to have them follow your fingers but on the screen we never know how big the screen is so on with telehealth i recommend just finding a place on the right and left and just moving it back a few times and then just taking a deep breath wow so that's just that's the delta wave cause those three those those movements okay amazing and then how do you do it how do you find what you need to do it on like if you took it back to you for example as the client in this what did you discover when you were sat in that circle with ronald was kind of going on because in emdr we have to find the target don't we right right that's a great question so in my case um, the main target was the experience of having taken the medication and feeling it one day and I was lying on my bed and I could feel that surge in my chest and it was overpowering. So that's what I targeted, that, that sensation at that time. Okay. Yes, right. And when you go to target that sensation, you yeah. think about the sensation, but you don't like, um, and, and, and I'm being mindful that this podcast isn't just for clinicians, it's also for lay people. So I don't want to yeah. get too technical here, yeah. but with EMDR, we always look for the the limiting belief. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you need yeah. to do that with havening or that that's not, it's more the somatic sensory feeling rather than anything, uh, anything linguistic, let's say, or any belief system? Yeah, it's a great question. So in, you're correct. In havening, it's mostly the, the somatic feeling of it. So you, you bring up the feeling, you even ask the person, are you doing it yourself? You ask, where do I feel it in my body? What does it feel like? And you just linger in that a moment. Like you, you just bring it up and you score it from zero to 10 on intensity, zero being no distress, 10 being the most. And once you've scored it, you don't have to dwell on it anymore okay. because it is upsetting. And when once you've scored it, you just actually distract, you do distractions so that you can feel the delta waves and not perpetuate the, the gamma waves of the distress. So you feel the feeling, you score it, you start doing havening touch, and then I ask really have the person or yourself do distractions to keep the mind preoccupied. So if you want, I can tell you the kind of distractions that we do. Okay, yeah. so you wanna do distractions that are very absorbing of attention so the person's not still thinking about the trauma because it's actually in the back of their mind being worked on, but you don't want it in their conscious working memory. So you have them do things, for example, you can have them hum a song or you can hum a song, an easy one that's not hard to think about. Um, you could have, you could count by multiples if you like to, like from zero to 20 by twos. Um, you can name things in categories like different kinds of flowers, or you can go through the alphabet naming different names like Al, Bernie, Chris, David, or places in the world like cities or states or countries with each letter. Um, you could have people describe or think about um, something really interesting like uh, a television or a Netflix episode or a book that they're reading, something that's really absorbing. And you have them do that for a while. Like I would say do about three, um, three or four distractions like that and then do eye movement and take a deep breath and then reassess how do you feel right now having done that. 
And the cool thing about havening is it helps you feel better, not just in the moment, but it actually permanently changes the way you think about that memory because you've brought delta wave to the memory. So it's stored differently. Okay. That's really interesting. And what comes up for me, and I'll I'll explain it for those listening, is something called the flash technique, which we do in EMDR, which is the eye movements, isn't it, still? But but when somebody, or or actually it's not, it's, we call it the blink technique sometimes here. It's for thinking about, for a millisecond, an unpleasant memory whilst you're engaged in thinking about something else. It kind of reminds me of that, but obviously none of that's got the psychosensory touch part in. So in your experience, Erica, do you think it's the touch that really makes the difference? Yeah, that, that's that's a great question. And you're absolutely right that the flash technique is very similar. And I and the um, the bilateral stimulation that you do with the, with the touch at, with uh, flash actually is part of why I think the flash works because the bilateral touch, I mean, whether it's bilateral eye movement or touch, both produce delta waves too. So part of the reason why the flash technique works, I believe, is because it creates delta waves. And the developer of that really struck on the right idea, which we use in Havening, is that you don't have to keep thinking about something upsetting for it to be worked on. It can be in the subconscious mind and you can keep the mind on something pleasant and actually treat the thing in the subconscious mind. Right. But I think flash actually is very effective. It just, it, havening has a lot of aspects to it, um, a lot of complexity, a lot of different techniques in havening that actually are, that help. And you're right that it emphasizes soothing more, more than the flash technique. The soothing part is very fundamental to havening. So what would a, a, a session look like or a kind of treatment program for somebody that has got, I don't know, complex PTSD or or childhood sexual abuse, let's say. Yeah, so when I meet a client and I've gotten to know them a little bit, I will describe what havening does, like how it works, just like I've done with you, like the delta wave production and all that. I'll find out what are some distractions that are good for that person to make sure I avoid ones that might be triggering, for example. And then we'll set up the target, which I'll ask them. I usually like to go back, if they can deal with it, to the first incident that the distress happened. Now, if they've experienced a lot of abuse and they're afraid to talk about it because they're afraid it's overwhelming or they're too ashamed of it, we'll target that feeling of fear or shame so that about it so that we get more comfortable and then can target the actual events. And then after the initial events, we might do subsequent ones very similar to EMDR and then eventually the present and the future too. And big question, I know, but... um in terms of time and length of time and all the rest of it that somebody's in treatment, would you say that it's more efficient time-wise than other therapies? Yes, it's very efficient. And one one way it's efficient is you don't have to do a lot of pre-work with Havening as you have to do with EMDR. With EMDR, I do a lot of work on resource building ahead of time because it can be very overwhelming to keep in mind the distress. With Havening, pretty much I just need to show people how to ground um, and after that, I, they know enough to be, to be able to just do havening. Um, the other thing is havening itself doesn't require a lot of setup in terms of like a negative cognition. Um, it, and um, you don't need to allot a lot of time to make sure a person has time to get through it because it doesn't take very long. So I can do mm-hmm. havening even if I only have 20 minutes in a session or 15 minutes. I can do some forms of havening that are very brief with even less than that. 
but I don't need a whole hour to do havening like I would with EMDR. So how do you choose when to use what or which? Well, I use havening when I get a sense that safety is a really important issue with the client or with myself. If I feel that the issue is I, I feel like I'm, I'm in danger and or I, the person's in danger, then I would do that. Um, hey, uh, EMDR I would do more if I feel like objectivity and processing things informationally is more important is when I would do that. And what about the other techniques that you use, like brain spotting or, or I know that you've trained in so many, it feels like it's like, wow, that's amazing. Um, but how do you know when to use that, for example? So I incorporate somatic experiencing and sensory motor psychotherapy into havening because when we do it, I really focus on the felt sense in the body with the distress and also the felt sense of healing and release and feeling good in the body. So there's always a somatic part that fits really well with havening. Um, the other ones, I would say that tapping, emotion, emotional freedom technique, I do a lot of tapping with people as well. And, and sometimes I'll actually do that as an alternative to a soothing touch if they feel more comfortable with it or under certain circumstances. Brain spotting, I guess the main thing I use that's similar is the bilateral stimulation because I, you, you do use eye movement and other, and you could do other bilateral stimulation and havening, but the pure formula for havening is this, is the touch, the soothing touch and the eye movement. But, but you, they are getting into other forms of bilateral stimulation. So you, yeah. I, mean, I could draw on that. Yeah. I yeah. could draw on that. Yeah. yeah. So where do you think the future is for havening now then? Well, you know, it's only been taught publicly since 2013, which is actually not very long. Um, so we're just getting research studies out now. We have two excellent research studies out. One is on how it affects anxiety and depression. The other one is how it affects somatic things like cortisol levels and blood pressure and social behavior. So we're getting, we're getting studies out there and we're, we have a few in the works right now, but because there are not that many practitioners yet, we haven't had the manpower to develop the research. I think as we do more research, people will become more convinced of it. Also, I've noticed that EMDR is becoming much more popular now, and it's so, I mean, it's about been around for like 30 years. So yeah. Um, yeah. it takes a while for, for therapies to get some name recognition. Yeah. But because havening is so efficient and safe, um, it's, it's a therapy that a lot of people use that have done EMDR before. So the future is bright. It's just getting the word out that's the issue. Yeah. And of course, in the UK, I think it's quite linked to Paul McKenna. Yeah, that's so true. And he, he's such a, a great, uh, charismatic and, and a wonderful practitioner of hypnosis and havening. So it's true. And in the UK, it has that benefit of that kind of public uh, exposure. Yeah, perception. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Although I think with that public uh, exposure benefit of Paul, I think that many people may remember him for his, you know, heal your life in seven days, or, you know, I can fix you in seven days. So it's got that slight perception of it's a kind of quick fix modality, you know, which I'm sure it's not like most things, you know, there are, there are people out there, aren't there, with complex PTSD and lots going on that, I mean, I'm certainly of the mindset that I need to say to people that it's a work in progress, you know, and yeah, I would you're say not like, going to come to me for seven sessions and that's it, you're done, you know. Yeah, and, and it depends on the person. Like for me, I, I've, I've found that um, I've gotten, I got a lot of benefit initially, but it's taken time to heal my deeper 
uh, wounds from childhood. And so sometimes you can get a remarkable relief with something that's like a single issue. It can get cleared really quickly, but then the longer term issues, yeah, it takes longer time. Yeah. But every session has some benefit to it. Yes, exactly, exactly. And where do you think you'll be going next? What's what's the future looking like for you? Well, the, the Havening trainings are, are really exciting um, and I've been doing a lot of them online and eventually hopefully doing them in person and doing them around the world. And um, I really like um, incorporating them with other psychosensory therapies. Um, at the moment, um, I'm, I'm very much uh, in the camp of Havening, but I do like to incorporate it with other trainings too. So I think that I will be combining it with other methods yeah. in the future. And Amazing. hopefully that's kind of, as Havening gets more popular, that will be better. I will say too that um, Havening in the United States um, is used by a lot of psychotherapists. In, uh, in England, I think it, because of Paul McKenna, maybe there's more, the coaching profession has really taken to it. Yeah. In, uh, in America, you know, the, the creators are actually, the creator is actually a doctor. He's a doctor of internal medicine, but then also, so in America, it's a combination of psychotherapists, energy workers, and coaches. Um, and so, yeah, Havening's yeah, trajectory yeah. is kind of with that group and, and mine too. I want to do some more work in those psychosensory therapies in general. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and where are the trainings running at the moment? Are they they're online? They're online, um, at least for the few, next few months. And I think some places are transitioning to in-person. Okay. And right. actually what I offered myself was that any training that I do online, people are invited to come in person when we open up in person amazing. in Washington, D.C., if they're near me. Okay, amazing. But I think in England, they're starting to do trainings live uh, in the fall. Right. So are you training people from the U.K. at the moment? Are they joining yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, I've been yeah. training people from all over the world, which okay. is great. Great. Yeah. Yeah, well, I would invite you to share in the we've got the Trauma Thrivers Facebook group as well. And, you know, on a on a Wednesday, people share their courses and trainings because we've got um, both thrivers and clinicians in there. It's a kind of interesting mix of both, you know, so you'd be very welcome to share your trainings in there because yeah, I mean, maybe we could move it more over to the therapeutic community in the UK. That would be great. Rather than the coaching community. Yeah, it would be good to bring in the both. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. 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 And in the meantime, thank you for doing your bit today to explain it. Yeah, thank you it so makes much for lot, having me. Oh, well, it's a pleasure. It makes a lot more sense to me. And when I find some more time in my diary, I will come do some training with you. Yeah, it sounds that's, very interesting. That's great. Yeah. And there's more to find out on my website, um, www.ericaneal.com and also on the havening.org website, both of those okay. places. And yeah. just to say to people as well, it's Erica with a K, isn't it? Not Erica with a C. That's true. It's E-R-I-K-A-N-E-I-L. Thank you, Erica. Great to speak to you. And, and I wish you and Havening all the very best. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope it helped you in some way. And I really hope to see you back here soon. If you have anything to share on today's experience or podcast, please nip over to the YouTube channel or the Facebook group Trauma Thrivers and let us know there.